When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. A big, deep sigh for me there before we came on air. Aston Villa lose to Man United at home again. The 26-year wait continues to a 27th year. Um, not, we've not beaten Man United at Villa Park in my <laughs> lifetime, Matt. Does that make you feel old? Oh, I'm just getting up in the morning and trying to stretch my legs, mate. Feel feel old, but um, yeah, someone's just um, someone's just tweeted me saying uh, with the cover of the enemy. I bet you don't even know what the enemy is, do you? <laughs> what the magazine? Yeah, yeah. All right. Somebody just tweeted me the front cover of that the last time we won, and it was Blur battling for battling <laughs> Oasis for the number one spot, which I think Blur won with Country House back in August 1995. Uh, yeah, it's a long, long time ago, and you know when we when we went one nil up at half time today, I thought actually, you know, we're going to actually do it for some reason. I, I thought we were yeah. going to we were going to do it, and then half of me was thinking, typical that we go and do it when we're not there. Um, but You're no, ahead of yourself, weren't you? Well, I was, yeah, yeah. I, even when we're winning, I'll always find some some something to moan about. But yeah, it's United, isn't it? They, they, they find a way of either beating us, or we find a way of beating ourselves when we play them. Yeah, I think it was more. More victim of our own our, da- our downfall, whatever the phrase is, masters of our own downfall, victim of your own success. Definitely wasn't that. Um, Douglas Louise with the penalty, blatant penalty, timing I thought was sloppy for the for the defending for the second goal, uh, the third goal. I can't even really remember what happened apart from Cavani scored it. I lost interest by that point. To be honest, um, I feel bad saying that the game's bore me at this point, but find the whole thing boring. I think it'd be different if we were still going to games, but having to watch on TV and there's nothing to play for. As soon as we go behind or we're losing, you know we're not going to get back into it. You just think, Christ, let's just end it. Only the six minutes added on at the end of the tweet saying, just end it now. What is the point? That might be a such bad a fan. Plastic, aren't you? <laughs> know, yeah. such, a, such a plastic. At least pretend that you're. <sighs> if we got better try and keep this podcast going. <laughs> but what I think. Did my connection die? Am I still it's here? Your- I'm bad for my end, but yeah, maybe it's my end. I think it's yours, though. All right. I'll play, play one anyway. Um, yeah, I'll, well, I, I'll speak about the game in a minute, but I, I've put myself in the ballot today for the um, for the tickets for the Chelsea game. Yeah. And I think that's kind of reawoken my excitement towards the end of the season, really. Just the chance that we could be could be back in there. Um, but in terms of... In terms of in terms of today's game, I don't know about, about you, but I was I was probably one of those ones who was kind of battering, battering Troyore for in the first yeah. ten or fifteen minutes for for letting Luke Shaw, you know, almost roam roam unchallenged um, and letting Matt, Matty Cash have to d- deal with all those overloads so many times, and then he just pings that out of nowhere, and it was it was a hell of a finish to be fair. And I'll tell you another thing yeah. that frustrated me: the fact that it's a great goal, and yet you've got Jolene Lescott. <laughs> Troy Doody and Graham Souness all just kind of, you know, 
for their own different reasons, having an anti-Villa agenda. And not at least celebrating the quality of Traore's goal. It was just, yeah, bad defending, blah, blah, blah. United need to be better than this. United come back from conceding a goal to win most games. Just think, give Villa a little bit of credit. You know, perhaps mm. it's me being a little bit sensitive and a little bit Clarence Blue biased, but I just thought there was a very interesting selection of the of the pundits panel today. Classic Sky Sports. Um, I've got a quiz question. You might have seen it on Twitter if you were following during the game of, of goal scorers against Man United. Bertrand Traoré becomes the third Villa player to score home and away against Man United in a single season in the Premier League era. There's two other players that have done it. Do you know who they are? To score against oh, Man United home and away. I'm guessing, but it's probably going to be... So I'm going to say Gabby and Benteke, but probably he's Staunton in there as well. Can I, what do I go on? There's only three. Benteke is one, 2014-15. I can remember, the. I think that was the year when he uh, bodied Smalling. Was that an assist? Oh, no, that was an assist, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. Um, Foreman, that was, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't even remember those then. And the other one was uh, Julian Jochum, 98-99 season. Oh, blimey. So, no, you, going back a long way. there, mate. You got I mean, me there. Say that it's like this great stat that Troy Rowe becomes the, the second, the third Villa player to score home and away against Man United. We lost both games. It's relevant, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, that says it all, doesn't it? That that, that <laughs> our greatest stat can be consolation goals. Uh, yeah. Never um, mind. What do you think about Douglas Louise then? Go for the penalty, blatant penalty. I don't think anyone will dispute that. It's a, a silly challenge. Um, but what what do you think of him as as a footballer? Is he good enough for Villa going going into next season? Do you think? Yeah, I think he's good enough for Villa. I think he was naive in that situation. I don't think there could be any complaints about the penalty. He seemed to have done the hard work and then thought Pogba a help on his way. Um, it's ridiculous. We we know we know Man United get penalties against anybody, let alone us. Yeah. Um, Douglas Louise, we've said this in previous previous podcasts that. To me, it's about having that. Who's challenging him at the moment? He's probably still one of your three best midfielders uh, at the club. So, are we going to see Morgan Sanson um, step up? And and at the mo- we pick a different midfielder, don't we? Because they they flit in and they they flit in and they flit out. And it's clearly clearly Douglas Louise needs somebody needs somebody snapping at his heels a little bit more. But with the with Villa squad at the moment. If Douglas Louise started next season, I would I wouldn't have any problems. What I'd like to see is Villa bringing that next calibre of midfielder to really, really up the ante of, of, of those places. Really, yeah, I'm not I'm not so sure about Louise. I've said multiple times on this podcast. There's times where I think, oh, he's a great player, and that as Man City will come back in, and that'll be the end of his Villa career. And then other times, I think he's he isn't good enough for Villa. If Villa want to push up to Europe, sometimes I don't think he's near that that standard for, to be a consistent top six Premier League footballer because he, he's just got too many silly mistakes in him, like, like we saw today. If he improves, like we saw last year, in Project Restart, he was good then. But this season, pretty much for the entirety, he's not he's not done a fat lot for me, to be honest. I think that's a bit harsh. I think I think that my, my biggest criticism of, of him is he does seem too casual sometimes. And do you want if you're going to be a top top class Premier League defensive midfielder, have you got to have that little bit more? Or is he a defensive a little, midfielder? A little bit more urgency. Is he a defensive midfielder? Well, that's the that's the role he's been he's been been played in. Who does it better than him at the moment? 
Well, I think that's a Villa squad issue, though, that they haven't yeah. they haven't got somebody better than him yet. I, I think if Villa want to push on, I don't think Douglas Louise gets into that Villa midfield. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know who we're replacing him with. <laughs> replacing well, him with somebody it, worse or somebody better. <laughs> well, this season, yeah, there's no one to replace him. But I think if Villa could click their fingers and say, right, this is the dream squad that we want, we can go out and buy whoever. Not obviously just go out and buy the best players, but here's 150 million. I think somebody would... Would replace Douglas Louise. I don't know who that is, but I don't think he. I don't think he's good enough consistently to 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 get Villa into Europe. If that's the aim. No, listen. I don't think you can take him walking to Villa's team forevermore. But we've been we've been through this before with some of the players last season who have had to step up. You know, probably saying at this time last season that Matty Matty Target shouldn't be in yeah, the Villa fair. team and Villa needs an upgrade on him. Um, so to me, it's all about, it's all about, I sound like a manager here, but he, he's all about competition for places. And Douglas Louise at the moment knows that he can walk into that team quite easily because the people who are challenging him aren't, you know, we've got Marvellous Nakamba, who is not consistent enough to, to make sure that Douglas Louise doesn't get back into that team. Now, if Villa sign an upgrade on both of those players in the summer, yeah, you should imagine that the, the, the new player will start ahead of Douglas Louise. And then we've got, then we'll see what Douglas Louise is made off. But again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write him off overnight. I think there's a good player in there. Yeah. And happy birthday to Douglas Louise, by the way, if he's watching 23 today. Which <laughs> <laughs> is fair. Having said that, he's only 23. I suppose that is still. Is that still young? I don't know. When you've got Mason Greenwood scoring and, and looking like a, a great player at 19 and players coming through a lot, Phil Foden on a different level, but is 23 young anymore? It's not, is it really? Not now you've had, he's had two seasons, two near full seasons in the Premier League. Now is the time to judge him. Um, I just don't think now's the time to to write him off completely. I, I think, we, you know, we, we've seen the improvement that he made at the back end of last season. Somebody's yeah. got to kind of tap into him to get that back out of him again. It wouldn't be a Claret and Blue podcast without us talking about Tara Mings, as always, his comment saying that he's too casual, better, should be better defending, blah, blah, blah. What did you think about his defending for that second goal and his game overall? Yeah, he's got to be closer to Greenwood for that. You know, if you're getting rolled by a striker who's as powerful as you, um, fair enough, but that's just not been, that's not been quite at it or on it, mm-hmm. not been not been tight enough. Uh, and I thought neither Martinez or Mings covered themselves in glory for, for that. I think they were still reeling from having conceded so soon in the second half. Um, just didn't get back on it fast enough. So yeah, Mings has absolutely got to be better than better than that. Um, fair play to Greenwood for, 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 you know, almost kind of catching Villa unawares. I don't think, I mean, people, the commentators were saying that it was a great strike. I don't think he particularly caught it that well. Either Martin um, pretty much got a hand to it as well. I think it was just it was capitalising on Villa's vulnerability. Um, I think that Villa thought that they could start that second half, bottle it up for ten or fifteen minutes, and really frustrate United. And before they knew it, they were two two one down. Classic Villa. Um, there's a shot of Twanzabi warming up for Man United, and and whether he'll, you know, what his future of Man United will be, and sort of kind of watch that. I thought, oh, what mining back to be honest. Don't know whether he comes back in and, and plays for Villa immediately, but again, I think if the conversation is that Villa want to become a top six side next season, I'm not even sure Tara Mings is part of that team either. I think if Villa, I think we said before, I think we said a few weeks ago about McGinn and whether he'd be improved. And you, you look at the team and you think people like McGinn and Mings and, and Louise have been like the like the core or, or you can't imagine Villa without them. 
because they've been central to, to Villa's best eleven for the last couple of years. But I think if Villa want to improve, I'm not sure whether Tara Ming starts, Douglas Louise starts, and even John McGinn starts. I think Villa really have to push up to a, another level to get back into that top six. Yeah, I mean, I think we've got to be careful how many players we start replacing, to be honest. I mean, Twan Zebi, obviously, we've got fond memories of him. He was the, he was part of the squad that, that got us back, back in the big time in the first place. But again, he's, he's relatively inexperienced now in Premier League terms yeah. com- compared to, compared to Toro Mings. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any hesitation about him, you know, us, us going after a player of that, of that standard. And as much as we're looking to upgrade, if United are looking to try and make that next step to, to challenge for the Premier League, they're going to be looking to upgrade as well. So, yeah, yeah, he's worth having a look at. You know, Dean Smith knows him well. Tyron Mings knows him well, having played alongside him. Um, but again, whether he, whether you'd want him walking straight into that into that Villa defence, I'm not sure. Um, especially as five minutes ago, we've written off the the last of the big Manchester clubs rejects um, in Douglas <laughs> Louise. So. Yeah. Gone off. I've finished. I've finished oh, I, thought you were, I thought you were going to say something else. Um, what do you think about the two non-penalty shouts? There was the Greenwood handball. Was it handball or not? And then Ollie Watkins going down for a dive and then gets sent off, which we'll talk about in more detail. Secondly, first of all, that Greenwood one was it handball for you? I thought it was, but I don't know whether I'm just got my, my oh, okay. claret and blue, claret and blue bias on. It did. It sat up. It, it sat up. It bounced up off him and kind of hit against his hand. But I don't know. I don't know what a natural position for a hand is well, anymore. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure where you where you're supposed to put them and stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm probably being cynical, but I think that would have probably gone against us the other end of the pitch. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I thought the um, it took a while for him to to assess it, didn't he? You know, the the, ga- the game was almost going on a, a, like a testimonial kind of pace <laughs> for for a couple of minutes while they were deciding whether they're going to. Uh, uh, going to give the give the award or not. Um in terms of the Watkins one, I, th- I think it booked harsh there. Yeah. I think I, I think there's I think there's a set of circumstances where that can not be penalty and not be a dive. And I mm-hmm. think it was that. I think Watkins has to manoeuvre himself away and clattered. I don't think it's that theatrical that he's trying, trying, trying to win the penalty. Um but yeah it, it just seemed it seemed seemed very harsh for me to to get the. Listen, we probably wouldn't have said anything about it if it had been if he hadn't already been on a yellow. But knowing now that that's turned into a red, and knowing now that we we miss our best centre forward for the uh, for the game against Everton on on Thursday night, it's just frustrating. You know, it didn't. We didn't need it to happen. What's Watkins supposed to do there anyway? I think I think James Rushton tweeted as it happened. Was he just got to run into the goalkeeper and, and foul him and get sent off that way? Where can he even go at that point? Well, yeah, he get booked if he he get booked if he cleaned the goalkeeper out, wouldn't he? Yeah, so exactly. I don't think it yeah, wasn't a I dive. Thought... It wasn't a penalty, but it shouldn't be a yellow card. I don't think because what what do you gain from that? Why why book him? What's the point? It's the 89th minute. Villa are already losing. Can't you just let it let it go? No, I think if the referee thinks it's a dive, he has to book him. I just don't understand why the referee thinks it's a dive. Ah, okay, um, enough. Regardless of when it happens in the game, you know, you can't just say, Oh, he's a good lad, Ollie. It seems like a nice, you know. <laughs> seems a, like a good one. There's a couple of comments asking whether Villa will um will appeal it and get it overturned. As far as I'm aware, you can't overturn a, a second yellow card. You can only appeal straight reds. 
So that'll be Villa can't do anything about it because it's a yellow card. Yeah, I mean that that's my understanding as well. Somebody might have a better grasp of it than us, but I don't think you can appeal yellows. And I suppose if you're going to get Ollie Watkins banned for a game, you might as well get him banned for a game when you've actually got two centre forwards in reserve that fit two very different centre forwards to to Ollie Watkins, albeit. Um, I mean, said that King. I thought Keenan Davies should have should have taken that shot on, yeah. rather than uh, rather than squaring it to Watkins after bully. Was it Lindelof who bullied off the ball? Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those ones, isn't it? We'd be more frustrated Ollie Watkins missing a game through an innocuous moment if we were on thirty six points now and we needed to you know to top them up to to stay up. I think. Look on the bright side. Get, let Ollie Watkins have a rest. He's, he's running sock long. You know, he's probably his distance covers stats. Must must be up there with any centre forward in the Premier League. So if it means that he has a rest. You know, then then so be it, and perhaps comes back sharp for the, the last couple of games of the season. What would you do for Everton now? I don't think Wesley's fit enough to start a game. So is it Davis starts and plays sixty odd, and Wesley gets the rest, or does Davis get a full nine to? I think Davies certainly deserves to get the nod ahead of Wesley. Um, it's a really, a really interesting opportunity for Keenan Davies to, to come in and to show what he can do. Um, even if he doesn't score, you know, if he doesn't score a goal, or I think he can just, if he can try and match the the work rate of Watkins, but have that extra little brute as well. I think it's a really good, a really good opportunity for him. I don't think he will match the work rate. Work way to the work rate of Watkins, by the way, because having just had little involvements so far this season, to then try and come in and 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 cover cover vast parts of the pitch like Watkins does, I think he, you know, I think he's going to be a bit beyond him. But let's try it. You know, we've said this before, haven't we? That that now is probably the time for experimentation. Now that there's yeah. not that much resting on the season, so let's give Keenan an hour and Wesley half an hour and and, and see what they can do. Because Dean Smith's going to have to, as much as we've talked about, do we need an upgrade, upgrade on Douglas Louise? Do we need an upgrade on Tyrone Mings? <laughs> we probably we we need to know whether Wesley and Keenan Davis are going to be good enough in backup for for. Ollie Watkins. I don't think they are, but let's let's have a little look. Let, 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 let's have more of a look at them over the over the coming weeks. Is there an argument to say if Wesley is fit that you play both and go four four two? I don't think we will, will we? No, probably not. <laughs> I mean, there's an argument for it, but I don't, I don't, I don't think we will. Um, I think he, I think he, the manager seems to have settled upon. We've really still out. Seems to have settled upon El Ghazi. El Ghazi and um, Troy, either side of the centre forward. I, I can't see that changing for this this game, especially if he has got two kind of strikers who are not match fit who need to play the way in. If he starts them both and they're both they're both tire at the same rate, you know he's going to probably have to take both of them off, both of them off, and not have a centre forward of note then to play. There was talk in the week. I think I think it's from uh, Smith's presser that. Um, Jack's back training this week and could be back for Everton or Palace as the next two games. We're talking about what who comes in to replace them, but could have Jack back on Thursday? Although that seems unlikely as well. <laughs> I doubt it, mate. I thought I think that wasn't that press conference a copy and paste of one from two months yeah. earlier. Um, yeah, probably. Jack Jack really is going to be absolutely spot on before they risk him. 
again. Um, I think Jack Grealish will probably insist on that, to be honest. He'll want to be fit and he want to be playing, but he won't, won't, won't want to do anything that jeopardises his chances of, of trying to impress Gareth Southgate in the last couple of yeah. couple of games of the season. So I think next weekend, again, depending on the nuances of, of Dean Smith's Jack Grealish injury updates, I think next weekend is going to be more of a chance for Jack Grealish than, than Thursday. I know that's only a couple more days on. Um, but again, I think it's going to be 10 or 15 minutes from the bench as well before Jack starts. Why is um, why is it with Man United and us? Why has this record lasted for so long? Has there been some kind of curse put on us by somebody? So I tweet during the game, I, think, I can't remember who it was from, but they said that Villa had been ahead against Man United like nine or ten times and, and gone on to lose every game that they'd been ahead. And I showed during the game that when Man United go behind, they, they still come back and win 15 times, whatever it was. What is it with Man United? You, you play them, you know they're going to get a penalty at some point, you know that they're definitely going to beat you at Villa Park, and by the time they go ahead 2-1 on the 60th minute or something, you think, well, game over, we'll try again next year? I don't know. I don't know what, it can't really be an inferiority complex, because if it is, it's something that's com- that's you know part of the fabric of the club now, because there's been so many different teams. I'm just scanning down some of the, some of the, ro- the results here, and I don't think they've... There's not been too many occasions when they've given us a proper pasting. It tends to be, you know, a couple of goals in it. I mean, there are there have been a, there have been a few times when they've beaten us three, um, three or four. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it. Listen, the, the thing about Man United is that, that even when Man United are going through lean patches, they're still one of the best four or five clubs in the Premier League. Um, they do have this. We do have this knack of. of What's used architects being architects of our own downfall and mm. shooting ourselves in the, in the foot against them. Um, but again, like I said, I'd be as much as I'd have loved us to win in an empty stadium against them. It's another challenge for next season. We know that we meet them. We know that we meet them next season. We hope that we meet them with a full Villa Park. Uh, how many years will we be on then? Twenty-seven years. Twenty-seven. Yeah. So, all good things, mate. Come to those who wait. <laughs> We've won, a, we've won a trophy more recently than we beat Man United Villa Park, and that's been 25 years. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the referee, um, Chris Kavanagh, being from Manchester and why is he allowed to referee the game. He's, I think he's refereed uh, six or seven Manchester club games this season, and Man United and Man City have not lost any of those. Um, I think that was part of the start, and everyone was like, oh, he's clearly biased towards them, and you forget it's Man City, Man United, and they win most games anyway, so that's why it happens more so than the ref gives them stuff. But then you see things start today, and they get get the penalties, and Villa get players sent off and stuff, and you start to think, oh, again, why does this always happen? Why do we always get referees against us? Yeah, but surely that's that's probably the best way of guaranteeing that the man, the, the referee's not a Manchester United supporter, isn't yeah. it, by being from Manchester? Yeah, Is that true. not... Um... Listen, the penalty, the penalty that we gave away was a penalty. The yeah. Mason Greenwood handball was a 50-50. You know, I know I've come and said I think it should have been a penalty, but it was one of those ones that was a, a little bit kind of flaky either way. The only one that that, that really, really frustrated me was, was Watkins when I, I thought there could have been a bit of common sense applied, like you said, to where where should he have gone? Where should he how should he have eluded you know, evaded physical injury. Um, but I don't know. We could have a referee from Timbuktu and he'd still give Manchester United a penalty against us, wouldn't he? Yeah. 
It's just annoying, isn't it? The whole thing's annoying. Uh, there's a few few games left now, Everton on Thursday and then uh, Crystal Palace after that. Uh, hopefully see Jack Grealish back at some point this season, but like you said, whether that's off the bench or, or whether he's fully fit or what. Um, I just, I'm personally looking forward to the season being over now. Are you? Not, I'm not desperate for it to be over, but I'm looking forward to, even if I'm not lucky enough to the cut with with my lad and his mate for the, the Chelsea game. The idea of fans being back inside Villa Park really, really excites me. It's been far yeah. too long. I've got a lot of um a lot of real nerdy, geeky, ground hopper villa mates who, you know, they they've not missed a match home or away genuinely for 25, 30 years. You know, they've probably missed their daughter's wedding, uh, you know the <laughs> Their grandparents' funerals, brothers' bar mitzvahs, and all that, but they've not missed a Villa game. And to me, I'm a bit of a not a fair weather fan in the sense that I go to all the home games, but I very rarely go away. But for some people, this has been a real kind of, you know, football. Not, not football's all that they all that they live for, but football is such an important part of their identity, who you are, meeting up with your mates, getting rid of all that those frustrations from work and from life. So. Yes, it's a, the rest of the season is a dead rubber, but to me, the sign that the, the signs that the world is opening up a little bit. You know, we've seen bits, haven't we? We've seen a couple of gigs in Liverpool that have that yeah. have been packed out. We've seen the snooker at the at the, the Crucible, and these kind of things are just little signs that normal life's re- returning. So, Villa's part in that Villa Park with ten thousand fans in it, even though it's going to be nothing on. Villa Park with 40,000 fans in it is just, you know, so that that's what I'm looking forward to. In terms of whether Villa finished 12th, 9th, 10th, 11th, I'm fairly relaxed about it because we've spoken before at length that, that oh. this is progress, whichever way you chop it up, this is progress. Um, but yeah, that that's the one thing that, that I'm really looking forward to, having fans back inside there. Yeah, that's a nice little way to end it. I was just scanning the comments as you're talking there and someone says, send Barkley and Douglas Louise back to their parent clubs. Not forgetting that we own Douglas Louise permanently. <laughs> He's out of player. Not alone for Man City. Um, Barkley sent back, yeah, fair enough. Also, somebody else that said, while, while you were talking, it looked like my mind is on the beach. I'm just sat here like, just thinking about other stuff. I'll tell you what, just to end it, I'm annoyed. This shirt was hung up behind me for a few podcasts. I've not worn it for a while. It was a little bit you know, questionable fit when I got it. I remember, I think I wore it on the first podcast I had it. I was like, oh, it's a little bit... Just a little bit snug. I've put it on today and all sort of definitely snugger now than it was a few months ago. So I'm a bit annoyed in that as well. I've put on a couple of pounds in the last couple of months. So that, that's on my mind at the moment. I've got no sympathy for you. Bearing in mind, I'm wearing my 90, the, the shirt that Villa wore the last time they beat Villa at <laughs> United at Villa Park. And I would have been 95, 17 back wow. then. So my, mine's a bit snug as well. Just one little bit of nonsense before before we go. Um, I bet you had hair though, didn't you? I did have hair. He had a light, nice curtain fringe back then. Um, I was lucky enough to actually get out and go for a drink on Thursday oh, night. Yeah. I had a, me- so, had a meeting. Sort of this, yeah. yeah, you might have to go back to blanket on top. How much? So I was down in Canary Wharf from him. How how much is too much for a pint? Well, in terms of cost. Yeah. Yeah. How much is too much for a pint? Um, I'd probably say anything over a fiver is pushing it. I paid well, seven, it, it was seven quid for a pint plus like a 33%, a 33p service charge or something. 
and that to me. Oh, I mean, this, sure. is, this is when I was a very the last. Yeah, well, that that the table, didn't they? So you, you're not allowed to go to the uh, the bar. So they're, they're trying to kind of rinse you on that. But bearing in mind the last time Villa beat Man United at Villa Park, and I was 17, going on 18, and legally drinking, going on 18, <laughs> I could probably go out for a tenner and have five or six yeah. points. What's going on with the world? Anyway, fair, that's I'll tell you what, if you are going to spend seven quid seven on points, quid. can you can you spend some money on some better internet for next week? Outrageous. <laughs> I think you need to get Rushton back or something if you're going to keep slagging me. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway. Uh, right, we'll call it there. Uh, thanks very much, Matt, for joining me, uh, despite the internet connections. Thanks to all the fans for joining us as well. Um, hope you've enjoyed this little quick Aston Villa Man United chat. We'll be back on Thursday night for the Everton game. Um, but until then, thank you very much and up the villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.